0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, good night So today's daf is daf page eighty-eight. We're going to go back to Zion amabez and let us relearn the Mishnah together. Six lines from the bottom of Zion amabez. All right, zokt the Mishnah. We learned that a husband or a father have a right to remove the vows that are they have to do with and nefesh. Or, if there are things that get in the way of their, uh, of their intimacy. So, what happens if a woman makes a nullifiable vow? A vow, okay? A nullifiable vow. And the Mishnah picks up and says, we look at the husband, and the husband says to us, You know, I heard there's such a thing as vows. I wasn't aware of the rights that I have to remove the vow. And now it's outside of the initial 24-hour period. Can he remove the vow? Says the Mishnah, Yes, he can. As soon as he learns of his rights to remove the vow... He now is capable of removing the vow, even if it's outside the 24-hour period. Next case of the Mishnah. He says, I knew that there's Al halacha, that, I'm, that a husband or father could remove vows. I was aware. I didn't know that what she said falls under the parameters of a vow. I thought it was something that wasn't nullifiable because it's, it doesn't it, it's not a vow now I learn it is I had that ability mayor mayor says tough luck mayor holds you cannot remove uh, you cannot remove the vow okay why because this is not considered as long as you knew that you had a right it's not considered this is the day that you heard about the vow um, uh, the I remember the Cham say, no, he still may remove the vow. He wasn't aware that he had that, um, that it was a, that the Chefza of the vow was nullifiable. As soon as you become aware, your 24 hour period now starts. Okay, Zokh the Gemara, Veramenu. last contradiction between shita Reb and the Chachamim. Here we go. Fascinating halacha that has to do with killing unintentionally. It says in the Torah, Belayro'i is when a person kills without seeing. Belayro'i without seeing. Okay. So what happens is a person goes out. We'll call it to the forest. And he doesn't see um, that there's somebody else there. And he ends up killing him. They weren't enemies, and they didn't hate each other, they weren't out to harm each other, even if they're not enemies, the Torah is letting us know that if there's any background music to their relationship, we're very hesitant, and we're not going to consider it to be an unintentional murder, but be it, be it as it may, in order to go to near Mikla, you, it has to be, what does that mean? So, Rabbi Yehuda says, prat this excludes a, a blind person. As a blind person is not going to go into Golos, he's not going to have to go to a city of refuge. Fine. Means a person who's capable of seeing didn't see, then you go to a city of refuge. But somebody who's been blind, there's no chiv of yer miklat. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rav Meir Aimer, Sassuma, it's coming to include a blind person. Now, here we go. Here's the question. Beautiful. In our Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda says that a blind person will go to an ir miklat. Why? Because he knew somebody was there. He didn't see him, though. Blind people are aware that somebody else is around them. They just can't see at the time of their action. They can have a sense that there's somebody next to them. But in our Mishnah, Rav Meir says that a partial knowledge of something is not considered knowledge. So uh, how do we understand Sheetas Rav Meir? That's the Gemara's contradiction. And for the top topic today's Daft tafes, here we go. Homar says, A classic type of answer, Baruch Hashem, and that is, it just depends on the Indian, the topic that they're working off of mitzad the Pasuk, meaning, here we go. Rebuta Sava Rebuta says, Gabi when it comes to going to an ear miklot, a city of refuge and unintentional murder. Ksib, it says Natarabashar Ya V a person comes upon his friend in the forest. Which means kol miyar kol liyar bar miyal liyarhu. The verse seems to imply anybody who's capable of going on their own two feet into a forest is going to be capable and is going to be under these under the parameters of your miklat. If I can walk on my feet into the forest. So then I'm, I'm going to be Chayver Miglet. So too over here, a blind person. Granted, he can't see completely who's with him, but since he's capable of going into the forest, now that he killed unintentionally, he went into the yar. He was Oila, he went up Liar to the forest. And the Mela, means even a Summa, a blind person is going to be obligated I be Amrit B'Lai Is the Rabbi And if you're going to tell me B'Lai Roy is coming to include a Summa, says Rabbi Yehuda, if you're going to tell me if Mayer is correct, that's what you learned out from Yar. so Leirois must be uh, coming to exclude a suma, okay, because I already know from the first part of the passage whoever goes into a forest that includes a suma includes a blind person, So why I say to exclude, that is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, basing himself on the passage it says you go to in your micklet, if you kill somebody without knowledge, which means kol devar meida. Which means you have to have knowledge. You have to have knowledge that there was somebody else with you in the forest, and that's it. That's what you need. And a blind person doesn't have that full knowledge. Because he might have a sense of somebody with him. He might have a sense of somebody with him. He doesn't know exactly what's happening uh, uh, you know, and where that person stands. Something like that. Correct. That's what I would learn out from bavli das. Bavli das means you didn't know. We're going to come up with another Pusuk to, to counteract this. But from the words bavli das, you're right. It seems to imply, if you have knowledge of somebody else being there, then you're chayav yer your miklat. If you don't have knowledge, you wouldn't be chayav from those from those words specifically. Okay. Now, but it also says balei rice. the I'm rip balei rice parat Summa, What are you going to tell me? That without seeing is coming to exclude a blind person. I already know that. I already know a blind person's excluded because you need complete awareness from the word me das I learned that from the first part of the puzzle. So what am I learning out from Blay Royce? I Blay Royce, not seeing, I mean a blind person's already excluded. Alashma Blay the Rabbi Blay Royce is coming to include. A blind person Which means even if you only have Partial awareness Like the Allah, like Rabil, you're saying Even if a person only has partial awareness says Meir, Of somebody else Of the person who he killed being there Meaning he sensed them there He just didn't see him at the time of the death Because he's blind He's going to be chayav in and near Let's take a step back We're up to the Mishnah Let's take a step back And just understand how our original question Is now answered And that's as follows In our Mishnah Rev. Meyer was the one who had the opinion that a partial knowledge of something does not allow you to remove the vow. It's considered a full knowledge. We ask the contradiction because Rev. Meyer says that a partial, uh, Rev. Meyer says that a blind person, when he knows a little bit that there's somebody else there, he's gonna be chayav in a near Make up your mind. Is partial knowledge called knowledge or is partial knowledge not called knowledge, that was our original question of the Gemara, to which the Gemara is answering it's not a contradiction, why? because Rameer can actually hold these two things and not be an issue because he's just basing himself off of verses in the Torah and the way you darshim, psukim in the Torah that's what's going to lead us along uh, you know, along the path to the actual halacha, so when it comes to an near miklat. Belay Royce is coming to include A blind person, partial awareness Would-be awareness, but I don't necessarily need to say that When it comes to vows Okay, so original question is now answered Beautiful, next, Mishnah Fascinating Mishnah, previously we were discussing With the woman makes a vow That she doesn't want her father, her father-in-law Her brother, her husband's brother Now what happens If uh, A regular person Makes a vow, ready for this you have a shver, you have a father-in-law who makes a vow. And the vow is as follows. I want my daughter to have something, but I don't want my son-in-law to have any rights to it. Generally, when a wife gains rights to a financial matter, the what's built into the ksuba is that the husband takes on specific rights. Either he takes on a full acquisition or at least he takes on rights to the produce of it. What if somebody makes a vow that he wants something to go to his daughter, and part of the conditions of it going to his daughter is that he doesn't want his son in law having any rights? Okay, so that's going to be the, the case of our Mishnah. Here we go. Let's learn this inside. If a person makes a vow and he's forbidding his son in law to get any sort of benefit from his item, who writes So he said, My son in law, nope, I'm cutting him off. Similar to the story of Rabbi Akiva, right? Rabbi Akiva married Rachel. The daughter of Kalbusavua And Kalba made a nether forbidding, you know, Rabbi Akiva from having any sort of involvement. He actually forbade his daughter as well. Okay. But he was upset about it. See, he's upset at his son-in-law. He says, you're never getting any sort of benefit from me. But he wants to give his daughter money. The problem is they're married. If he gives his daughter money, his son-in-law is benefiting. So, Aimir he's allowed to say to his daughter, Behold, I'm giving you this thousand dollars, and it's a gift specifically for you, conditionally. Your, your husband keeps his nose out of this. I'm giving it to you on condition, your husband's got no rights. But what, and whatever you carry with it, and put in your mouth. Meaning, this is a fascinating last line that the Gemara is going to be all over. And is, the father-in-law says to his daughter, behold, I don't want your husband to have any rights. Now we would think, end of Mishnah. Fine, I got got the story. But no, he added in a line, we'll see why it's necessary. He added in a line, your husband has no rights and you're going to take this money and put food in your mouth. That's what he says, you're going to take the money, put food in your mouth. Interesting last line. Here we go, Zokt the Gemara, to clarify Amarab, Rab says, Laishanu, Ella Da Where are we learning the case of the Mishnah? Ella, rather, the amarla where they the father says to his daughter, Mashaat uh, the this that you will will carry and take b'ficha, you put in your mouth. Meaning. It seems to the Mishnah since he said that, his daughter has rights to it and his son in law doesn't. But what if, Aval Omar, but if he says, Masha Tirtsi Asi, let's say he says to his daughter, I'm giving you the money, I don't want your husband to have any part of it, and you could do with it what you want. You know what's going to happen? Knei Yasun the husband, actually would acquire it. Since he's telling his daughter she can do to what he wants That automatically Makes the, the son-in-law capable of uh, it, it, The son-in-law now acquires it He has rights to it And what's going to happen The father-in-law has to bring a sacrifice now Because he transgressed his nether Transgressed his nether He said I'm, I'm making a nether My son-in-law Or maybe actually the son-in-law would have to bring Because the son-in-law is now benefiting from the father-in-law And he's not let to do that He can't benefit somebody else's property Alright, that's Rav's diuk. And we could be concerned about why that would be the halacha. But it makes sense in how you read the Mishnah. Because again, the Mishnah should have stopped after writing the words. A father-in-law said, A benefit. So what should he do? Give it to his daughter and say, It's only yours. I don't want your husband touching it. It should have stopped. From the fact the Mishnah continues and says, The father must say, You've got to take the money and put in your mouth your own private food. Must be that if he didn't say that, it's a problem. That's Rob's diak. Why? Why would go to the husband? Well, it, that, that's a discussion, but it doesn't matter. The diak of the mission is like that. Shmuel Amar um, Shmuel says, um, No, even if the father says, bal." Okay, it doesn't make a difference. There was just an example the Mishnah giving about using it for your own personal food, but even if the father would give it to the daughter and say, "My dear daughter, here's money. Here's a thousand dollars. Do with it whatever you want." The halacha is, um, the halacha is that the husband does not acquire it at all, and nobody is transgressing the vow. Maschulah Rav Zera. Zera has a challenging <speaking> question. We now <Hebrew> turn to the top of Pei Beis. Kemanos la Hodosh who robs original opinion? Who's stating that it's specific to putting food in the mouth? Whose opinion is he following? Which mayor? He's found the opinion of a mayor, the Omar Yadi Shaki Bala, who says the hand of a woman is literally like the hand of her husband, which means it's impossible. It's an impossibility for a wife to ever gain access, gain ownership of something, and you're going to tell me that it's separated from the husband's an impossibility. That's what it seems. Very many... But let's ask a contradiction. Ketzal mishtatven b'mavoy. How do you create a Stufe mevoyes? Okay? As we learned, but we learned Erevin together, right? A mavoy is a three-sided alley, we'll call it. Right? It's an alley with uh, homes on either side and homes uh, homes at the end. So in order to be able to carry there on on Shabbos, they would make a Stufe mevoyes. Okay? What Stufe mevoyes? Everybody, the way it... It's ideally made. Everybody takes a little bit of food and they put it into um, one of the of the together on Shabbos, and now it's all we're all tzizamen. We're all considered we're all considered one family. So that's the Mishnah explains what you do. What's the process of creating shduvei You put down a barrel. Weimar, and you say, This is for everybody. And instead of everybody bringing a little bit of food, what I could do is like this. There's a rule. I can give somebody ownership even if they're not there. So I'll say, listen, I'm a generous guy. There's 10 families in this Mubway. I'll bring one big barrel of food, of wine for everybody. And I'll be just mocking it to them. You know, and now and now we all own it. Good umazakalahem. Zakalham, Ayy Abde B Shekhasa Ibrim, could even do Avat Shivcha, you make somebody a shliach to be kinder for them. Bay De Bin Ibitailim, Bay Day Ishta, could use my own children, please acquire this on behalf of all the neighbors, or through my wife, Viamrikani Yasam Balah. And if you're gonna tell me that whatever a husband acquires belongs to her husband, I don't understand. How can a man say to his wife, you acquire something on behalf of the neighbors to create Stufe Mavis? It's not gonna work. All he's doing is giving it to a wife, it's going right he's really giving it to yourself. She can't acquire it for somebody else. Eruv, like nothing but Shusi The Eruv, whatever food is, never left the husband's domain. Beauty. So don't tell me everything that happens belongs to the husband. Huh? What does the wife have One of the examples the Mishnah gave of creating Stufa Mavais, if I want the neighbors to gain acquisition, right? The Mishnah said, I could go to my own, my own wife and say, My dear wife, here's a whole barrel of wine. You acquire it from me on behalf of the neighbors. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So says the Gemara, if, if, if a wife is you, what, how's it going to work? Right. Yep, that's the question. So, Amar Rav, Rav says, mm-hmm. Even though Rav Meir holds that the hand of a woman is like the hand of her husband, May the Rav, Meir Rav Meir will agree. The Indian Shituf, when it comes to the Allah Hashitufay Mavayez, the on the is Achay Since he wants others to gain acquisition, Miyad Bala Zachya. It's considering it like she did gain, she is getting it from her husband's hand. Such a beautiful, beautiful lumpness. Says the Gemara, a beautiful answer. Ready for this? When a woman's acquiring something for herself, the husband takes ownership. But when she is becoming a Shliach for somebody else, that's fine. Because the ownership she's taking is not her personal ownership. Again, why well, am you saying ownership for herself? Then I'll go to the husband. But here she's being a shliach. So love the husband could use her as the messenger for the neighbors. Ezer the Ravashi. Ravina asks a challenging question to Ravashi. He says, one second. Eluz lahem. The Mishra gave us examples of people that I could give the barrel of wine over to. That's zeiche. A wife cannot do this A wife cannot make an acquisition So we we do have an, uh, a contradiction Between these prices So the Gemara says Rather Ravashi says Masnisin The case of our Mishnah, originally, by Shtufei Mavayis, we're going to say that case is where a woman, uh, she has her own courtyard in that Shtufei Mavayis. If she has her own courtyard in the Shtufei Mavayis, she's going to have to make an acquisition for herself, and she's not only going to be a shliach for others. Let's say she has... You know, her family owns a Chatzar and her, uh, you know, her, her husband, her kids. And then she privately owns it. That was her nech alug, whatever it is. She has her own private uh, home that's separate from her husband. If they're going to make a shtufa mevayis, she is going to have to acquire it on behalf of herself as well. And that's where we say... Since she's able to get it for her own property, that's where she's able to do it for others. But the, the b'risa which says that she cannot be zaycheh for others is going to be talking about a situation where she did not have another... Uh, she did not have her own chatzar in that mavoi. Let's say you have a single woman. A woman who's a divorcee. A woman who's a widow. Then... There's nobody to remove the vow and the vow is automatic. Ketzad, for example, says the Mishnah, what's the case? Umrah, woman says, ni I'm starting my Nizira's process in a month. I'm starting my Nazira's process in 30 days. That's her statement. Even though she now gets married 15 days later, shotgun wedding. She meets a man, Let's have a khasna tonight. And it's within the thirty days. Once you hit thirty days, once you hit the thirtieth day, her nazira starts. The husband does not have a right to remove a vow. Why? Because she made the nether when she was single. Nobody had any control over that vow, so nobody has a right to nobody has a right to remove it. Okay. Next case. Nodra, top of peites. Nodra, if let's say she made a vow, the Hebrew Shusabal, and um, they already had Nesuun, they already had first stage of marriage. Nodra, the Hebrew Shosabal, mayferlo. So the husband's allowed to remove that vow. Ketzad, okay, for example, Umrah she says, She says, I'm going to be a Nazira La'acher Lamed. Okay? Even if... She becomes a widow or a divorcee before the 30 days are up. Okay? It's Pesach Lamed. The halach is Harei buffer The vow is able to be removed. Najra Rabbi What happens if she made a vow the, the day that she became an Nesua? Then it's And she got married in the morning and divorced in the afternoon. Hachzei Rabbi And then they remarried. He's not able to uh, remove the vow. See, here's what happened. She gets married. She makes a nether. She gets divorced. She gets married. The, is the, the husband cannot remove the vow. Can't remove the vow. Because he's not allowed to make any sort of vow which was made before his current marriage. Here's the rule. Anytime you have a woman, a widow, divorcee, single woman, doesn't matter. You have a woman, the reason why we're mentioning a widow or divorcee is because it's a greater chiddish. But anytime you have a woman who made a vow and there was no fellow in control over those vows who had a right to be made for, the husband does not have a right to remove that vow. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. Have a wonderful Shabbos, chavre, tomorrow night, Paz Hashem, Matzi Shabbos. We will go back to the bottom of Pei and Beis And chazar over Review the Mishnah um, Let's see, Matzi Shabbos, Shkia is getting later So Shkia tonight is 5.09, Matzi Shabbos Assume 5.11 So 6.22 um, Let's call daf Yaymi on Matsi Shabbos For 6.45 Bez Hashem Alright, let's aim for 6.45 Alright Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.